Among the dunes of the distant desert of New Job, the occupying army of the Elphir rampages across the landscape. The reins are held by those lofty high elves, but the beasts of burden at the end of the crop are the drow themselves, forced into indentured labor with a rifle in their hands. The sun beating down on their hypersensitive skin, the drow level guns at knolls who they have far more in common with than the one calling their shots. This is where Marcelin cut his teeth, desperate to run from a life that tried to make him into a man he would never be, and from a relationship he would never be right for. In the sweltering heat, he forged bonds, fought battles he didn't believe in, and found a path that would lead him to become the gnarled man that we know and love. As we move back, we find him in a darkened desert, wind whipping sand against battered tarp among the encampment of his unit of both saboteurs and the closest things in this world he can call friends. They find themselves on the precipice of a mission that will change all of them. Forever. This week. On Hallowed Shores. I imagine that they all don't get their own tents. I imagine it's like a large sort of um, almost like mobile barracks tent that they sort of erect. So um, they each get their own maybe cot or even um, uh, some sort of a hammock maybe that they can string up on a couple poles. Um, and uh, Marcelin, um, as we enter the scene, is uh, sleeping unsoundly in his hammock. Uh, he's uh, drooling out of the right side of his mouth. Um, just large, thick globules of, of um, smoke-tinged, um, sort of yellowed spit um, that sort of stains the front of his fatigues. Um, he's tossing and turning in this enclosed space, um, mumbling to himself. Um, it's It's difficult to hear, but you can almost hear um, some name of uh, what might be a friend or a lover. Just the name Vellum pops up uh, a few times until, I guess, maybe like one of his compatriots gets tired of it and just jabs him in the ribs hard enough to to wake him up. Yeah. Um, what uh, what age do we see our Marcelin? Could you could describe him a little bit for us since we're used to kind of an old gnarled Marcelin? Yeah, yeah, totally. So this this Marcelin is um he is if like if Marcelin were a tree, I think we were and I at one point we were talking about it. Yeah, if if Marcelin were a tree, he'd have a few fewer rings. So he still has um a weather-beaten face. I mean, even even the Uradia front um the the sandstorms can be pretty gnarly and plus being a drow, the the sun is just almost toxic on his skin it's just always beating down so all of them are like sunburnt and craggy but even still he he has a look of youth on him that's just com been completely wasted away by the time we we see him later he's now he's his eyes are a little bit less bulging out of his head his hair is thinning but it's not the just few wispy strands that remain to him he has um, 
a, a little goatee that he's tried to grow out since he joined the joined this band here, but uh, it's it's not really working. He's he doesn't have the he doesn't have the body for facial hair. Regardless, though, he 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 has what you wouldn't look at this person and say this is this is someone on death's door anymore. This is someone who I don't know. They 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 have a li- at least a little bit of youth to him, even if um. It's already starting to get a little uh, gross. I mean, the the stains on his trousers. He doesn't seem to be taking great care of himself, um, even still. But he wears the same um, military fatigues as the rest of his unit. Would it be okay if I described that, or do you have an idea for something like that? No. Yeah. Give it a shot. I think they're almost like tan um, desert fatigues, but uh, at one point someone had decided that... um, they were all going to be fighting in like complete um, desert oases, and uh, now there's a lot of brown around them. So it's it's really just it it almost looks a little out of place here. There's there's uh, and all of them sort of have the same sort of uh, badge uh, staple to the uh, the front of their uniforms. Um, I guess in just in the shape of I don't know, uh, just like a star surrounded by uh, three arrows. Yeah, I love that uniform. Um, I think that's fantastic. I, I think the person that jabs you is wearing a fairly similar uniform, um, but it probably has a, uh, maybe just has a sash on top of it. Um, it. Probably wears the sash around camp, tends to take it off and pack it in, but he really wants to make sure that the very few of you he's, he's commanding, uh, you understand he has power over you, um, despite the fact you guys could definitely kill him pretty quickly. Uh, this is this is Reginald Once Night Flowers, the captain of this particular unit. Uh, you are all serving in the Nujabian Front, in particular, as you mentioned, the Oradaya Theater. Uh, a theater of combat that is largely urban, as far as the Nujabian Front goes. Um, it's a, a fairly urban production center. As cruel as the Aelfir are, uh, they do their best uh, not to directly just slaughter civilians, as, uh, you know, even fun fantasy realms, that's not exciting. But uh, in terms of uh, where we're... Uh, attacking to make decisive tactical blows. The Oradaya Theater is a smart one because it is a home to demonological production where uh, gin querents and demonologists uh, wrap their magic into weapons, devices used on the rest of the front. Um, Your captain, Reginald, once Night Flowers, is uh, trained in the art of saboteuring. To make that easy, you guys blow shit up. Mm. Um... And, and you do it uh, stealthily. You're not exactly forward, uh, forward attacking individuals. And Reginald is a, a self-serious, self-aggrandizing man who's uh, incredibly prideful and uh, largely pretty quiet outside of commanding you guys around and uh, telling you what you guys are going to be doing for the day. Um, and he's very annoyed at your snoring. Gives you a solid jab in the ribs. And uh, as your eyes creak open, he's glaring at you. Uh, <clears throat> um... Reginald, uh, it, Captain, um, s- sir, uh, what seems to be the problem, Captain, sir, Captain? What's your What was your last name? Oh, Marcelin. Uh, it's Hallow Seer. Like, almost like if you imagine like someone called like Saint Sebastian or something. Like someone has like a last name like Saint something. I was like, oh, Hallow Seer. Oh, clever. So yeah, he, he barks out. Private Hallowseer, uh, can you stop this? Um, 
I'm sorry. Stop. Stop. What, sir? Um, I, I, um, I, I, I was sleeping, so I, I can't have been doing anything, sir. For the past week, you've been incessantly muttering in your sleep. I, um, I, I wasn't aware, sir. I will, um, uh, on my, on my honor, I, I swear, I will, um, do my best to. No longer. What was I muttering? Did do, do you uh? Did you happen? I, I wasn't saying anything, right? Um, you know. A I, name. Oh. Um. Yeah. Um. Just, just uh, blabbing on about my mom. Miss my mom. That's miss my uh good old mom. That's yep. Uh, what was the name? Because it's probably my mom. I can't recall. Well, I was half asleep as well, which you managed to thoroughly ruin. Yeah, that's um. Yeah, I mean, we're all dealing with a lot of stress here. I understand why you're upset, uh, Sir Reginald, but, uh, Sir Captain, um, but I can't really help it. It's, it's just, you know, um, it's good to escape for a while in, in the dreams, you know. I do know, I do know that it is lovely to escape into dreams, and I would love to be doing it myself. Now you've robbed me of my last hour of sleep. Oh, that's a mighty shame, Captain. I uh, do so humbly apologize uh, on behalf of of myself and my dreams. Uh, I'd punish you properly, but we're fairly close to shipping out. So why don't you get your stuff ready? Prepare yourself for the rest of the crew. Yeah, yeah, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it turns around and just sort of starts packing in the, uh, the hammock and a few of his things he his gun is just sort of laying there on the ground he picks that up uh uh dusts it off spits something into receiver just to clean it out i guess not sure if that's gonna help but hey uh he, he gathers up the rest of his belongings so what do you feel like marceline's position in this unit is um i feel like he's almost one more of the grunts of the unit i mean he's not particularly good but he's He's tougher than he looks, so if, if anything, he might be, like, the CQC specialist, or he might just be the pack mule, honestly. Um, if there's, like, if they need him to, if they need someone to carry all the gear, they kind of just pile it on Marcelin. Okay. So if there's, like, a lot of explosives that need to be carried around, I think he they just kind of use him as as the donkey for that. Works for me. Um, how big is Marcelin? At this point, um, he's fairly large. Um He's 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 almost like bony but big if you can imagine that. Um, he just like occupies a large amount of space with very long limbs, um, and he's he's stronger than he looks, or at the very least, he doesn't complain or seem to complain when you just put a lot of stuff on him. So yeah, and he's also pretty quiet about it. He doesn't um, moan when you know you strap like fifty kilos of high explosives to his back beast of burden yeah can we say that the rest of your stuff is outside the tent yeah that makes sense okay um so uh is it okay to presume you you have to go at the very least get that stuff tidied up to kind of pack mule to strap to your back yeah i imagine like the rest of the squad might just like start like hooking things onto him as well i'm not sure um yeah no i, I think that yeah, that follows yeah he sort of goes outside the tent um he's sort of 
arranges everything so it's all like kind of strapped either to his thighs or his backpack or or um just tucked away in like a dozen different little pockets that he has kind of sewn to his uniform mm-hmm. so let's see while you're strapping all this stuff up um seems like most everybody else and again it's a small unit i think it's only about five of you guys um they're back inside but uh from behind you somebody steps up taps you on the shoulder and you hear it of a lighter um you know i wouldn't I wouldn't do that, seeing as how there's maybe I don't know uh, a few st- dozen sticks of spire black uh, dynamite taped my uh, thighs. Yeah, could you uh, could you put that out? Ah, uh, come on, Marcelin. Let's live on the wild side a little bit, huh? The um, voice you recognize. Uh, this is Astorius from behind you. He's essentially the chaplain of your unit. Um, of course, he also does other things. He's essentially your spellcaster um, amongst you. Well-trained in a couple of very valuable spells for what you do. Um, but a, a bit of a cad, a bit of, bit of a rake. Um, he's got wild, tousled black hair for a, for an, for, I mean, sorry, for a drow. And, uh, of course, he has the, the moon collar that represents the, the lajon, the silvered of uh, back in the spire. He's probably your closest friend to this bunch. <sighs> yeah, well... I mean, live a little, but I don't necessarily want to die a lot. Uh, all right. Hey, you, you got a, you got a sig on you? Always. All right. And he pulls one out of a crumpled, I don't know. I mean, this is probably, I mean, we're kind of on the verge of industrialization. Cracks one out of a cigarette case and, uh, and forks it over. One already half lit in his, uh, in his mouth. He finishes the lighting after he hands you the cigarette and tucks the pack away into the, front chest pocket of his coat yeah uh marcelin takes it and uh, nods his thanks and just sucks in a huge uh lungful of it um and holds it in like savoring the taste <sighs> just watch the ash okay yeah you know um do you know uh what's crawled into the captain's ass seems uh, a little bit jumpy yeah he seems very jumpy Seems like he's pretty fucking nervous about this upcoming mission. Jeez. Well, I mean, hey, like you said, I'm going to live a little. Might as well uh, really live out in the front. Uh, got any uh, words of wisdom from Limier to really start the morning, you know? Mm. Honestly, for this one, I think we need a little bit more Lekale. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a banned word. Don't let the the captain go hearing that from you. <laughs> yeah, of course not. What do you think? I'm speaking out loud in front of that mustachioed prick. Well, I don't know. Uh, if Lemia or um, the shattered one would be so kind as to um, make the captain trip and uh, fall into an enemy gun nest, I don't think any of us would necessarily be complaining. No, no, I don't think we would. Honestly, judging by how lovely his life has been so far from what we've heard of it, I don't think he would care that much either. You don't get sent to the Uridaya front um, if you're a... Sorry, the uh, the Uridaya uh, theater if you're not... Um, if, you're, if your life has gone um, according to plan for an elf here, he's, uh, he's doing quite well for himself. Yeah, quite. And 
know exactly what happens to these fucking icy freaks once they come this far south, so... Honestly, it could be the nerves, or he could just be finally breaking down. Well, that would be a sight to see. I haven't seen one, one of them really go haywire. Well... Oh. Let's hope he waits till after the mission, huh? Yeah. Like I said, as much as I don't like him, I uh, prefer not to freak out and get us all killed. Hey, but, you know... <sighs> when duty calls... For the spire. For the spire. I think, um... Marceline, uh, sort of, uh, stomps out the, the roach of, a uh, cigarette. Well, that's enough, uh, risking certain explosive death for today. Um, let's go out and risk some explosive death. That's certainly got the blood pumping. He pats Astorius on, on the shoulder, and, uh, if he, uh, if there's any more preparations to be done, um, I guess, uh, Marceline will... Get them all ready. I'm not sure um, if they have already drawn up the battle plan, or if that's something um, we've already that the rather the 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 troop has already discussed. You've discussed it in in brief, but uh, Reginald is definitely going to run you back through it here in a second. Um, and yeah, Astorius helps you with the rest of this packing. Uh, you see, he generally packs pretty light. You know, he's a chaplain, probably has a sidearm, um, and he's got some ritual, uh, some some ritual materials. Uh, and he starts to set those out, too, on a, on a small carpet. And then eventually, the other three members of the troop clamber their way out. Uh, that, of course, being Reginald, and then your fellow two privates, Jatson and Iray. Uh, Jatson's a, a squirrely little guy. Uh, you know, in our terms, he's probably like 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, uh, just like you, a lot of bones. Definitely the youngest member um, and fucking angry. Guy carries, like, three knives on him at all times and is always jonesing for close-quarters combat. He doesn't hate the gnolls, but uh, he does generally just filled with hate. If anybody's representing the, the crimson moon um, of anger, it, of uh, Lekale has, has come to represent, uh, of, of the Damnic goddesses, uh, yeah, it's this little prick. Uh, Jatson is squirrely. And uh, and then Iray, she's a... Uh, She's a quiet one, you know, a, a solid marksman, and uh, of the bunch, probably the least talkative. Gets her job done, clearly wants to be home. She's also probably, uh, in terms of all of your ages, on the more advanced side, probably closer to, to Marceline, you know, late 30s, early 40s. We start setting out this uh, this ritual stuff. Uh, Marceline's like, you know, mm, uh, you know if, you, if you'll excuse me, I, um, I should uh, go... Uh, you know, survey the surroundings, get a... Yeah, do some recon. Um, you, you don't need me for this, so... Uh, Mars, I, I know you're not a big devout anymore. This is one ritual you're going to want to stick around for. I mean, look, I, I trust you, but... You know, fine, fine. Uh, just don't, don't ask me to, to light any incense or something. I'm, I'm not... You know, you know why. You're good, Mars. Everybody settles around the the carpet, essentially that uh, that Astorius is set up, and uh, Reginald spreads out a map in the middle of it. All right then, <clears throat> let's discuss. First, we hit an incoming caravan. They're bringing in raw materials, part of the production line. The factory that we're hitting is a production facility. 
of artillery charges. This will be vital to shoring up the front line of the Nujabian front. If we can break their artillery supplies, we'll be able to make easier charges, and casualties should plummet among our fellow in infantrymen. So, once we tackle this small caravan, we take the place of the knolls that are moving this particular material, we make our way into the factory, we lace the primary production line with our explosives Marshland will be carrying, we get out, we blow the plunger. Simple in and out. Problem being, this is the largest facility we've hit by far. This is not a handful of knolls around a campfire. This is a production facility. If our infiltration goes poorly, we have exceedingly little chance of making it out with raw firepower alone. Astoria stands up. Yeah, that's where I come in. Everybody, I need a little bit of your blood. All right. Well, I think Marcelin, um, I think he, he, um, Jason, that's the uh, young guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Jason, could I, um, could we borrow some of your blades? Oh, yeah. Shring, shring. Pulls out two of his knives and passes them both directions in the little semicircle you guys have made. Oh, thanks. You know, you got those handy. Um, Marcelin is sort of, he hesitates for a second. He remembers some of these old rituals. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a, in his mind, he can almost f hear the, um, the sound of chanting and of, of, uh, the warbling sound of, of someone singing in the back of a, of a church while he, uh, makes a small incision on his palm, uh, yeah, so he yeah, so uh he uh he offers his his palm uh face up to Astorius. And yeah, Astorius swipes the blood. Um and then one by one everybody kind of follows in in your footsteps. Could you give us a little explanation as to why Marcelin understands this ritual the way he does? There was um a time in his past where these sort of rituals were almost a daily occurrence. Um at, there was Marcelin, um, he, he remembers back to the times when he grew up in a sort of monastic life with, with the Lajans as almost as caretakers after the, uh, the midwives um, couldn't find his parents again after, after uh, they'd, uh, they'd laid him in their care. Um, it's, there was a time in his life where he remembers that he was going to become a Lajan, that it was all set to go down that life, um, to live a life in service to the drought community. And um, some stuff happened, I'll say that. Um, things got in the way. And now he's, uh, every every time he, he goes out to, to, he sees these rituals and almost, it's almost, uh, he can feel every bit of it. Um, just makes him incredibly uncomfortable. You can see he's almost sweating a little bit while he does this. Um, eye twitching just a bit. And while you're revisiting these uh, religious trauma memories, uh, yeah, everybody follows in suit, and the same chanting you remembered vaguely from your past uh, begins to come in sort of a semi-half-hearted way out of Astorius as he walks his way through this ritual. Um, as he's finishing this back half, Reginald continues. So, once this is complete, I will take point, and we will act as if we are lost travelers caught up in an ambush far in the distance who now need assistance to continue on towards 
towards Kelhay. Whether or not we dispose of the gnolls entirely depends upon their disposition. I will leave our forward operators towards this decision. Motions towards you and Jatson. Yeah, sure thing, boss. I'm a captain, uh, sir, Reginald. Good boy. Now, Astorius, I'll be finished. Astorius chants out a few more syllables of old drow home nation language. Yeah. Yeah, we're done. Everybody, drink from the cup. He gestures towards a repurposed ration cup that has now become the sort of a ritual vessel that now glows dimly with silvered light inside. Break away. Uh, Marcelin, he, uh, I guess uh, he, he takes the cup and it's just, he wrinkles his nose at it. It's an old familiar smell, like something almost like if you mix lilacs with, with gunpowder, it's, um, it's, it's like, there's almost a sweetness to it that he just, he has to muscle it past his throat just to get a little drop in, um, almost gags and then hands it off to Jatson. Who sips and does gag, but manages to hold it back down. Ira takes it down pretty, uh, pretty strong-nosed. And, uh, yeah, and then finally, Reginald sips it, tries to hold a stiff upper lip, and lets out a big... <coughs> and finally, Astorius polishes off the cup. And one by one, you all begin to change. Uh, could you give me a little description of what you believe Marcelin would look like as a knoll? Uh, Marcelin, uh, looks at his hand in, in quiet surprise as it, in his eyes, he sees it grow like patchy, like, um, there's like hair missing in certain places. It's, it's mostly gray spotted with little tufts of, of almost like red fur. It slowly like creeps up his arms. His long arms come like sort of distended a little bit. Um, his back hunches just a bit. He doesn't, it's only a, um, it's only a glamour, right? It's not like, it's not physical or does it feel physical? Um, I feel like there's like a, a mild physical component, but it's primarily a glamour. All right. Cause I'm imagining whether or not it's, all right, I'm going to bring anamorphs into this, but I shouldn't. Um, I'm going <laughs> to stop myself. Um, yeah, he, his, his back hunches, there's like a crest of, um, almost like uh, mohawk hair that just forms um, right uh, between his eyes that crests back um, against him. The uh, the clothing he's uh, wearing, this it sort of like feels... I guess we're going to have to uh, change into some other clothing unless that's part of the glamour, right? Uh, yeah, I think the glamour encompasses your clothing as well. Okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. So uh, the clothing he's wearing is almost just um, some torn robes. He's imagining uh, what it must be like to be some weird traveler that needs uh, help on the road from from a Noel Caravan, and the glamour almost seems to provide that uh, a sense. He's got burns on a couple of his hands. Yeah, he's he's almost at this point like. He his tallness is stooped over, so now he's probably like five foot, but like really gangly, even for a knoll, especially for a knoll rather. Yeah, and everybody else in the in the troop follows suit. Um, yeah, everybody's got some form of tattered robe, some sort of burned scar mark, and uh, and yeah, everybody's clothing shifts into just this this general Nujabian flavoring. Um, they're all knolls waiting in the desert. I'm a knoll. So, what well, you're you're like uh, 
Like Reginald said, you're better. You were about an hour out. Now you're ready for marching duty. Um, unfortunately, that was not a morning marching duty. Uh, this caravan is moving in the dead of night, and it is still the dead of night. Probably in our time, like one, two a.m. Any final preparations? Any any personal rituals that uh, that Marcelin would engage upon before you guys leave camp? Um, I think Marcelin, if in like there's a, he's feeling very nostalgic at the moment. It's sort of. Yeah, he, uh, he th- thinks back to the sort of rituals that they used to do. The um, one that comes back to him is the Rite of Respite, um, where uh, they used to hold vigil um, over like the dead of night all night, just to uh, watch the moon crest above the, the city of Spire until it descended past uh, the point where they could see it. Um, so Marcelin, he looks up and he, he looks for the moon. And there it hangs, reflecting the light of the sun, back down upon the deserts of the Orodaya Theater. I think uh, Marcelin keeps watching the moon and just watches it for signs of change or sign of anything, really. Um, sign of anything speaking to him as uh, as the people just keep like uh, clipping various different explosives or, or other materials that they don't want to have to carry on to him. Yeah. The rest of the tent gets bundled, um, strapped onto uh, various packs on other people's backs, and uh, your whole camp is broken down. On you guys march. There's a sliver of a crescent on the moon that you're you're looking at. So it's it's a dim night, but you move in darkness. Uh, it's it's a little bit of a march, probably thirty minutes away, but you made camp close enough that you are able to intercept it almost in perfect time. Uh, the gnolls are a notoriously precise bunch, to say the least. And lo and behold, there marches a single wagon caravan, uh, not really a caravan at all, um, two guards, two drivers, and perhaps somebody hiding in the back. Reginald turns back, looks at Astorius, Astorius nods, and Astorius takes point. You guys stumble forward, and the caravan comes to a halt. The, the large pack animals, something like a camel, but with spiraling antlers, comes stomping forward into the sand, and you guys get a hail. Mm! Something is muttered in another language, and uh, Astoria steps forward to also mutter back in this, the same language uh, with a surprising precision. Uh, either he's studied this language, which is probably likely, um, but more likely he's also glamoured his own voice so to assist with hiding the accent of being a second language speaker. The the guards seem to relax, and most of the top level seems to relax, but the driver that's not driving, the one next to the reins that seems like he's probably the alternate, um, you know, meant to swap on after the other gets tired, I think you're probably the only one that notices, Marcelin, that he does not untense. He's looking at Jatson, who's, of course, just kind of wildly looking about. Could you, could you give, do you have a... Do you have a perception skill? Um, I... There is an investigate, which I do not have, so... Awesome. Could you could you make me an investigate plus low society? Okay, I do have low society, so I'll get two dice into this. All right, that's an eight. Fantastic. Um, so, yeah, you, you can make out where he is gazing. Um, he's gazing at Jatson's knives, which went largely unglamored. I'm going to look over at Jatson. Um... Just gonna fix him with like 
a, a dead-eyed stare, just like, really? 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 <laughs> kind of, you know, jitters a little bit. He, he doesn't look quite on board with what's happening. Oh, um, I'm going to uh, nudge um, nudge Asterius, uh, just elbow him a bunch while he's speaking. Um, uh, I'm going to walk over to Jackson and, and just take, uh, uh, hold up both hands towards the, the driver, like in pleading, like, I'm so sorry. Um, just take his knives off of them and just, uh, toss them over just like underhand, uh, towards them, towards the, uh, driver. Yeah. That, uh, the driver jumps out. I guess coachman. I don't know. He's the one who'd have a gun if this was the wild west. Um, and, and he picks up the knives, gives them a hearty sniff, and then holds them back towards one of the guards. He unsheaths it, and they both stare at the edge of the blade. Uh, he barks back at Astorius, and Astorius turns. He's asking where we got these drow-made knives, and now he's picked up your ire towards Jatson. Uh, I'm gonna whisper to Jatson, um, he got them off a corpse. He found it on a dead drow. Hmm. All right, can we make a, 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 a persuade? Yeah. So I also don't have compel, um, but <laughs> but I'll, uh, if this is also low society, I'll also be two dice if you want me to. Unless this is Yeah, let's stick with low society. These are, you know, working class. Working class gnolls. Working nine to five. And that's a nine. Okay, I'll take that. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so Astorius kind of nods, turns, and gives, in this other language, apparently a variant on that story, and, uh, the, the guards visibly relax, but bark something else out over to Astorius, and he turns back. They're saying that if they want, if we want to ride with them, we have to give them whatever weaponry we have. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, did the glamour, ha- like, the, the ritual have and have some effect on the what it looks like kind of weapons we have or are those still visible uh yeah for the rest of you yeah you clearly glamoured your weapons so like yeah your your legrand rifle now looks like sort of a nujabian arquebus you know like like everybody's weaponry generally shifted to to look a bit more like in in canon with the oridaya front yeah. instead of the the enlisted weaponry you guys have been given yeah jatson is the only jackass who decided he just his knives looked too cool Marcelin's going to be the the first one to uh, hand his his rifle over to the uh, over to the knoll. Yeah, um, and and they did generally collect a weapon from everybody, and then finally, one of them, after they've collected your weapon, taps on the vast pack you're hauling. Astorius leans over. He's asking if he can look through your pack. Um. Uh. He, Marcelin is racking his brain to to remember if, like, part of his ritual and his thoughts, he thought about the interior of his goddamn backpack. Um, it has my mother's remains, so I'd prefer <laughs> it's mom's corpse and dad's corpse. My family's they're uh, they they were all shit. The knolls. Do they, do they burn culturally? Do they burn? Uh, they're cremated. It's all my cre- family's cremated remains. I prefer they didn't look at them. Oh, this this sucks so much. 
Let's do a little deceive. <laughs> the worst fucking lie I could have possibly told. Um, yeah, let's do deceive and uh, let's cut one. Yeah, fair enough. That's that lie sucks so much. <laughs> it's, it's all right. Yeah, that's a two. I deserve that. Fantastic. Um, so let's see. It's been a hot second since I played Spire. What are our what are our uh, our resistances? Uh, shadow. Right, I'm thinking a shadow. It's probably the one I need to hit. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah. So let's let's do a D8 of shadow stress. There you go. Uh, two. So I have no free slots in that. So I'll just take two. Not too bad. Um, and then I roll a D10, I believe, for fallout dies. Well, unfortunately. Fuck. <laughs> yep. Um. That is a one, so that is going to be a shadow fallout, a minor shadow fallout of bullshit. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, you can see that they don't buy this at all. Uh, Astorius turns back and says, it seems like they're not going to respect our customs. And he says customs in such a way that essentially everybody within uh, within the, the unit bristles. <sighs> Reginald looks around. On the count of three, let them look, we spring for our weaponry, and we strike. He he lays out a hand, like, come on, go ahead and show them. All right. Um, Marcelin's going to, uh, he whispers to Asterius, um, when I give the signal, jump away. This is going to get loud. Uh, he's going to, he's going to beckon the, uh, one of the, the I guess the driver open over um and um start like slowly opening up the pack and while he does so um I'm gonna ask could I try and prime one of the explosives that is on this uh yeah sure go ahead okay um do we uh want to roll for that would we say that's like a fight or or fix um, I think to, I think to prime it I think you're probably good to go if you want to do it stealthily. You can do a sneak. Ah, uh, yeah, that'll that'll be a little that'll be tricky, but yeah, uh, that makes sense. All right, so if it's still low society, I'll throw in two D ten, I guess. Um, yeah, no, let's stick with low society. I think we're well. I don't know. You're fucking with a bomb. It could be technology as well. Yeah, I I only have low society in religion, so. Um, I mean, I'll do sneak in low society so that way. Yeah, yeah, that works because you're still kind of trying to hide it from this guy in particular. All right. <laughs> fuck it nope that's a two well so you reach in prime an explosive um unfortunately uh yeah this motherfucking driver that you were attempting to uh kind of you know show the ropes to or whatever you were gonna do uh absolutely notices that you're you're flipping the primer switch of a bomb and uh, begins to scream out to the two guards and the, the driver's still atop the the uh our, our little caravan our little carriage and uh Guns begin to produce, uh, and more importantly, you see that the uh, the coachman, the, the guy that was next to the driver, the one that was trying to watch, um, begins to produce something that makes a, a sound like a whistling wind, despite the fact that wind is pretty much utterly dead, and a chill goes down your spine. Um, this is probably something demonological. Oh, fuck. Alright, um, I'm just gonna... I don't even care what kind of thing it is. If it looks like it's, it's blow-uppable, um... Oh, we need to keep the carriages intact. Um, I think 
I think Marcelin's just gonna make a sprint for that guy because he already handed over his firearm <laughs> like an idiot. Man. That, that, that guy's probably within arm's reach. He's the one you beckoned over to look that you were trying to trick with the explosive. Oh, okay. So the guy who who's who's um, making that, that using that device that's making a whistling noise, that guy is right next to me? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's definitely within arm's length. Okay, I'm going to just full-on body tackle him. I'm just going to throw my entire body weight plus all the things that I'm carrying on top of him. Nice. Sure, so make that fight low society and you can add a dice if you want. Oh, I do want. I shall definitely. Just for the, the weight of the pack and everything. Like you're, you're, a, you're a human boulder right now. Yeah, that's me. All right, uh, highest one is a nine. Golden. Um, I guess that's just unarmed damage, which I think inspires a D3. Yeah, I so. believe so. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so uh, two. <laughs> two whole damage. Um, so not too bad. Uh, at the... At the very least, he's uh, he's not going to be able to double fist whatever he was planning on using, which now you see is sort of it's a bit like um, those those Wehrmacht grenades Nazis were using. That sort of looks like a I don't know, like an onion. Like it has like a thin shaft and then like a thick round top. Oh yeah, the the Russians um, called them potato mashers, or someone called them potato mashers, <laughs> or the jerk. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's like one of those potato mashing grenades. But uh, yeah, it's it's sort of perforated through, and you can see there's like visible air whipping its way through it, um, and it's it's humming. Uh, you know, like there's an increasing humming building. Uh, yeah, he's not going to be able to do what he needs to do, so you kind of have his arms pinned and you're on top of him. Um, he's gnashing at you with his teeth. You see Jatson sprinted over and is now struggling to... He gave up two of his knives, but he had uh, pocketed another one on the inside of his pant leg. Of course. Um, and he's already driving it to the hilt uh, repeatedly over and over into one of the guards. Uh, Reginald and uh, and Iray are, are fighting one of the other guards for, uh, for their weapons back, and y you see that Astorius is making a sprint for the driver. I, I'm sure they've got this on lock. I'm sure they've got this. I think um, Marceline's like primary focus is on making sure that this 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 guy who's pinned under him does not uh, use that weapon, whatever it is. It just it spells bad news. Um, I'm gonna try. I think Marceline's next move is gonna be to try and rip it out of his hands, if possible. Um, yeah, that's just gonna be a, a regular fight, low society. Okay. All right, that's a 10. Fantastic. Um, so you can upgrade that damage die um, to a d6. Uh, four. Yeah, that's enough to kill him. Well, shit. So I think Marcelin's gonna try, he rips it, the thing out of his hands, just his entire body weight, plus like this whole huge, I mean, I think the pack was kind of like, he had it off of him, but he's still like kind of <laughs> filled to the brim with, with other different devices and, and just pack materials so he's just weighty so he just throws his entire body weight on off on the guy rips the uh the potato masher out of his hands and just proceeds to try and pummel him in the face with it yeah uh so uh my general rule of thumb is uh i mean if you're gonna kill a sentient creature it's your call you can kind of knock him a good and unconscious but you can see after a few whacks he's clearly like trying to beg for his life um, um, and you can see where, wherever it's hitting, it's leaving these, these, not only like, is it whacking, it's leaving these, it's almost like there are blades coming out of this thing. Like the wind that's whipping out of it has uh, a slicing effect. Oh, oh, oh dear. Uh, Marcelin is surprised at that. He thought he was, he thought this was just like a mallet. Uh, 
Um, it's a it was a bad mallet, but he didn't realize it was going to be that bad a mallet. He's he's as soon as he realizes that he's like killing the snow, like there's a part of him like makes him stop. He 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 looks in the snow's eyes. Um, he's just instead of using the the front of the thing, he's going to try and knock him out. I guess. Mm-hmm. Just kind of thump him in the skull with the butt of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, at the very least, you, you thump him into, like, complete and utter stupor, um, whether or not he is just from brain damage or he's actually knocked out. Uh, he's not fighting back anymore, and yeah, you've pretty much all but incapacitated him. Um, you see Jatson is completely fucking perforated, one of the guards. Guys probably has, like, 17 stab wounds in his front. Um, Jatson managed to get another one of his knives off the guy and was just, like, double-fisting him into him. <laughs> um, he's smeared in blood, and uh, you can see he's... Now, looking to go join over where E-Ray and Reginald are, are still uh, tussling with, with one of the other guards. You see Astorius is in the process of choking out the driver on top of the carriage. All right, yeah. Um, I guess I'll... I'll if, if it looks like Astorius has has um, that guy in a chokehold, I guess, like, the last remaining member, uh, Marcelin, will uh, rush forward with the, the potato masher in hand. Um, yeah. Uh, is, this, is this Noel... Uh, um, does this one have a any weapons on them? Uh, yeah, this Noel is like struggling to reach for a firearm. I wonder if I should throw the potato masher um, at him. That would be interesting. Um, does it look like he's about to like pick it up um, and no one else is able to stop him, or is are they all sort of like trying to s- struggle for the firearm at the same time? Uh, yeah, they're all trying to struggle for it essentially. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try and get in there, um, if possible, to try and help him out. If, if not, to just, like, get behind him to also choke him out, or at the very least to, to jump on him as well. I mean, it worked the first time, so. I feel like with the, with the three of you, um, if you choose to go that direction, um, yeah, you can pretty much incapacitate this guy without any problem. Just drop some knees into his, into his chest or something, while the other two are trying to pin him back. And, uh, yeah, luckily, um... Reginald manages to draw his sidearm from from this guy's pack and uh, pops a pops a few shots into this knoll in the chest, and uh, the knoll kind of crumples pretty much instantly without fanfare. All right. Um, a above you, still choking this guy out. Always takes longer than uh, one anticipates. Yeah. And then from behind you, the caravan doors burst open, and a guy swings his head up, a rifle in hand, and he points it at Astorius. Oh no! Oh no! Okay. Uh, Marcelin's his. I guess like in this split second, would I be able to try and throw the potato masher at this guy? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Let's do fight, and then I think, just because you're exclusively kind of interacting with the potato masher and you're not fighting one of these guys, I think it's gonna be technology. Yeah. And, and I think it's actually gonna be cut one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll throw a die in. See what happens. Something amazing will happen. A nine will happen. Okay. So yeah, you you, you hunk the potato masher. You're trying to thump the guy? Yeah, I'm trying to, at the very least, distract him from shooting my only friend right now, so. Yeah, uh, luckily you do that. You thump him clear in the skull, and uh, his rifle shot goes wild. And uh, you see Astorius drops his head and and pulls the driver down with him. Uh, The driver pretty much all but going limp at this point. Um, And uh, yeah, looks back and, and Thanks you pretty profusely with with like a, a traditional like, Lashon Val. This thing's probably never done to you. Uh, uh, 
Marceline almost gives like, is almost like automatically like about to give the same thing when he strains up and goes, uh, it's all good. It's good. He says, uh, rushing forward uh, to try and get to the knoll that was in the in the caravan. Uh, and and yeah, you can rush that direction. Uh, that guy is, has re-upped his, uh, his firearm and is no longer pointing at his story since then, yeah, he's kind of gone into self-defense mode. Um, and he doesn't look as bloodthirsty up close. He actually looks fucking terrified. Okay. Uh, is he, uh, does he have his rifle pointed at me right now? Yeah, yeah. All right, listen. I didn't kill your friend back there. He's gonna hold his hands up. There's more of us. We got on. We got. We're armed. We take you in as a POW. You don't have to die. I know you. You. You, you just can't understand me. Uh, I'm not. Uh, we're not speaking the same tongue. But I'm gonna. He. He points behind him. We have more of us than there is. And he just holds up one finger. One of you. So why don't we put the gun down? Uh, let's let's do a compel. Compel a society. All right. Uh, high is a nine. I'm Boris. apparently killing it. Uh, until I won't be. That'll happen soon. Rolling fantastic. And uh, yeah, he kind of nods in understanding with with the the numeral, numerological gestures. And yeah, just tosses the rifle at your feet and clasps his paws over his hand, over over his head. All right. Um, he's gonna. Marceline's going to take the rifle. Um, and sort of like sweep the interior of the uh, of the of the caravan. Yeah, it's uh, it's filled with with crates. I mean, fairly nondescript crates. Um, except you can see one is shaking. It's got three padlocks on it. Uh, what? Uh, uh okay. Prob- first problems first. All right. Um, Asterius, I I need some help over here. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. You can kind of hear like a, a poof in the sand. And he makes his way around the sides of the caravan. comes comes back to you. It's very dark inside of this inside of this caravan. Um, wink, <laughs> wink, wink. Um, the look. Uh, is is that is that crate moving? I can't really see it. You got a light? <sighs> yeah. Uh, it's, he, uh, did he hand me his lighter before, or does he still have that? Uh, he handed it to you. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna break out the lighter that he handed to me and um, wanly light the uh, the interior of this of this cabin. It's got three padlocks on it. What the hell are they transporting? Hey, d- the that guy, he's still alive. He, why don't you ask him? Uh, yeah, good idea. And yeah, again, the box kind of gives a little thunk, shud, shudders, and shifts slightly towards another another crate. Um, Astorius says something. And in in Nolish, and uh, the Knoll kind of mutters something back, and the story looks to you very grimly. He just said materials. Um, knowing the Knolls, that oh god, it's it's a demon, isn't it? I'm guessing. He jingles a key ring. I got this off the driver. Uh, well, I um I I've subscribed to the philosophy, um as it were that uh. One should just let it be. Uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not going anywhere near that thing. Mm. Probably smart. Right. Um, and it, look, uh, help me, help me tie this guy up. There's, is the, uh, is the driver dead? Uh, well, he's out. That's for sure. All right. Well, we got three of them then. 
All right. Uh, Marcelin's going to go over. He's going to, there's some like, uh, like draw, like some drawstrings from using one of the hammocks or like maybe like uh, for like making the, the big pup tent. He's going to use that to uh, start tying up this knoll. Yeah. I think, uh, I think you guys can definitely retrieve materials from your packs to, to bind these, these three knolls you guys have captured. All right. Uh, guess we should report to good old Reggie. Didn't suffer any casualties. I guess that's a that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a plus. Listen, before we do, shut those doors. Yeah, yeah, that's smart. Uh, Marcelin shuts them, and uh, if there's anything to like bar the doors completely, he's gonna just like shove something into the handles just to make sure that, at the very least, maybe if something gets out, they'll have three seconds of leeway yeah Mars I I'm gonna say something but you can't repeat this to Reginald I think it goes without saying uh if I ever talk to that guy one more time uh it'll be too soon things get hairy in there I think this may be our way out you saying we don't tell him about the ticking impossible creature time bomb in the back of our wagon Exactly. Not only is it a weapon, but it's bartering material. I'm sure you've heard the rumors. I speak their language. If we work with the gnolls, I think some of them could get us out of the front and help us get back. I mean, but really, do we want to... Ah. They're... They're the enemy, though, right? Like, I'm sure it's just, it's, it's just a ruse. They're... Why, why do you think you can trust them? Why the hell do we think we can trust the elf here? I mean, look, I know you're you're ready to go home. You've got a, you've got a family and all that. Uh, but but think, do we really, do we really want to go home that bad? Is that? If I get out of here, I'm collecting my family and I'm getting the hell out of the spire. I'm not doing this anymore, Mars. I've seen enough of this. See what Reggie over there did to that knoll. Um, yeah, I I saw. It. Jason, he was uh, a little bloody. Regin, they're all... Look, I know they're all nuts. I mean... Heck, the... The array is, is alright, but... You realize what we're supposed to be doing at this production facility, right? We're not just sabotaging it. Yeah. Look, war is hell. I, I, I mean, but like... Hell, home is hell too. For some of us... Look, I'll, I'll help. I'll help you get out. I, I promise you that. Serious, I, I promise you. I'll do what it takes to get you out of here. I'll get you home to your family. I, I promise. Let's report back to Reggie then. Yeah. He gives you a long, piercing look. Then walks back around the side of the caravan. All right. Uh, Marcelin follows. Sort of, there's a moment there where he's almost afraid to meet Asterius's eyes um and uh yeah he follows dragging his feet after him so you make your way back around the caravan um you debrief you debrief with uh with Reginald and everybody seems pretty much uh well put together seems like Jatson got scratched a bit part of the reason why he went absolutely sicko mode on uh, that poor Noel and uh yeah you guys kick the corpses over put a little Put a little sand on him and, uh, you know, clamber up into the caravan. Um, Reginald, 
takes the, the reins. Ira climbs up next to him, leaving you and Jatson on, uh, on the sides, marching where the, the guards once were. And uh, Astorius climbs into the back, relocking the bar um, that uh, kind of contains whatever is within the caravan uh, and keeping it locked in. Now on you guys march into the night. Um, you're not too far from uh, from the city that this particular factory is housed in. I said the name of that city and then I did not write it down. So fuck me. There's Kelray. Yeah, it was some. It was something like that. It had a had a ring. To <laughs> fuck me. Uh, Just gonna try to not say it. Uh, and it probably isn't more than twenty thirty minutes out. Um, whenever the lone sort of and factory's a, a loose word. It's not like a giant smokestack covered factory. Um, but what it is, is uh, almost like a circus tent, but reinforced. The, the, the poles that normally would hold up the, you know, the big top, as it were, um, are clearly cemented into the ground and uh, reinforced with these plates hanging in between uh, the, the poles. The fabric still visible underneath, but nonetheless... Uh, has clearly been erected fairly recently, but has been almost like post hoc adapted into a, um, you know, a permanent facility. Right. Around it, you can see a bevy of, of guards, even in the middle of the night. You can probably tell there are probably 10 individually posted guards around the perimeter of this, this sort of larger factory. And you see there are other tents around the perimeter of, of this main tent, um, all of which appear to be, you know, housing of some kind. There's probably animal husbandry going on here. Um, no crop growing, obviously. We're, we're in the desert right now. And, like, the, the shrub desert, it's got lots of sand and occasionally little shrubs, but no oasis is in sight. Mm -hmm. Caravan rumbles on. As you get close, Astorius begins to bark some some uh, some Nujabian, some Nolish, towards the, the guys at the front, and he produces some papers that clearly he has stolen off of some of the, uh... Oh, Astorius is in the back of the fucking thing. Brief addendum. Uh, Iray and Astorius actually swap positions. Um, I misdescribed it earlier. Astorius, of course, has to be next to the driver. He speaks Nolish. Um, so yeah, and, and he produces some papers and hands them over. You can see that one of the guards walks right past you, gives a little sniff, and walks to the back, unbinds the door, and peeks in. Ira uh, steps out and gives a gesture. You can see she kind of, you know, soft bow, hand out, as in, you know, please look. And they <laughs> step inside, beginning to kind of gander around. Astorius leans back, whispers over to you. Keep an eye on those. Yeah. Um, don't want them opening anything that would, I don't know, kill everyone. Yeah, that would be bad for everyone. Apparently, they're sticking with us. They're watching the supplies, as it were. Great. Um, we're going to have to get rid of them somehow. Seems like after this, we're making our way into like some material holding facility. Those guards are there to make sure we deposit everything properly. So, yeah, we're going to have to deal with them. Uh, hoping Jadson isn't done with stabbing people. I don't think he's ever going to be. Kind of peeks around the side, and Jadson grins a wicked, knollish grin, gives a thumbs up. You're so creepy. You're so creepy, Jason. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
<laughs> all right. Um, all right. I'll, I'll keep an eye on them. Uh, make sure there's at least one of us behind them at all times. By the way, did you pick up that thing when we were done? The potato masher? Yeah. Potato masher, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a knowledge word for it, but, like, you use this to mash potatoes. This is... Like, I, I'm assuming this is what you use it for, usually. Uh, judging by the kind of general creepy aura around it, I'm thinking that particular thing is not for mashing potatoes. It'd be great for it, though. You could you could mash so many potatoes at once. You could, just... <laughs> you could definitely mash multiple potatoes with that if it wasn't producing unearthly energies. Well, I mean, yeah, sure, if it... But it can also... All right, fine. You know what? Uh, yeah, I still have it. That's the answer. Are you happy? Ruining my potato mashing dreams. Look, mash potatoes with it after you maybe have to use it to take those guys down, okay? It's going to be quieter than going loud with our firearms, and I don't want Jatson going all freak mode on them. Right, yeah, uh, fair enough. Uh, this thing will... This thing will fuck up people, though. I mean, I was using it before. It almost tore the guy's head off. Well, gnolls are technically our enemy right now, so make do. <sighs> Until we make them our friends. Sure. Uh, also, you need to make sure to keep an eye on them, to keep an eye on them so they don't check that extra crate. Don't mean the one with the thing in it. He makes a, a general gesture, like, you know, his hands in front of him, bound, and, like, wide-eyes you. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, fine. All right, um, I'll do some hurting. Um, Marcelin, uh, will we'll get down, and he'll, uh, he'll, uh, look for, he'll, he'll go to the back of the, the, uh, the caravan and, like, uh, look inside, um, are they are they still inspecting all the crates? Yeah, they're poking their noses around. Their muzzles. Um I wonder if Marcelin can be a little bit distracting here. Um He's going to turn the potato masher on and just like start like flipping it um in his hand. Just lackadaisically. Do they seem to notice like the kind of unearthly sound that's it's emitting? Oh yeah, it definitely immediately distracts them from from you know browsing the crates. Yeah, uh, he's sort of like he's Marcelin's going to pretend like he he uh, has this thing but doesn't really know how to use it, which is pretty much true. So he's just going to be like playing with it, uh, but like seem like he's just like naive and stupid, which also he is. So this is actually really easy. Let's make a very fun roll here. Um, to to fuck around with this machine um yeah there's like it has like a twist knob on the bottom um i, d I don't think you're probably fully aware of how it works yep and uh, as you twist it there are other things that sort of pop up along sort of buttons that become pressable along the shaft of this potato masher um and yeah clearly the guy who used to have it knew what they did uh you don't so let's uh Let's do investigate plus technology or occult. All right. Well, here's goes nothing. Now that's a six. Um, which I believe inspire is a success at a cost. So let's take um, let's let's take a d six of. Let's just do shadow shadow stress again. Here we go six. Right. Ouch. 
If only that was a damage roll. Right. Well. And yeah. that is a shadow stress. I mean, sh- shadow fallout. All right. Um. Yeah, I don't think you know quite what you're doing. The the caravan continues on. I mean, you have explicitly said you don't know what you're doing, so I don't really even have to say that. Um. You uh. You know, the caravan continues on towards this. You know, this part of bay part of this massive tent, and uh, you know, you distract them with this uh, with this potato masher. Um. You begin to you know fiddle with the knob, twist it, press some buttons, and wind begins to whip out of it, um, kind of out of control, and it begins to slice open some of these crates, and one of them in particular it slices open, luckily not the one that has got the three padlocks on it. Um, the crate you do slice open, however, and judging by the muffled screams that emanate from it, it's the one that you guys hid the POWs in. Oh. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's kind of whipping out of control in your hands, sort of like a, like a fire hose, um, continuing to tear up, you know, the inside of this caravan. Uh, and, uh, the guards back up against the wall, uh, of, like, sort of the wall closest to the drivers. The wall that, that three padlocked, the, the tri-padlocked box that, as you can now see, is actually bound to that wall. Uh, and, uh, they're looking terrified. They, they raise their firearms at you. And they notice what the fuck is going on in that box. Um, and they start to, uh, yell out. In, in Nolish. Oh. F- fuck. Um. Marcelin's gonna. Is this. This thing is still going off, so, um. I'm going to, uh. I'm gonna run forward and. Oh God, I have to silence. How many of them are there? There's, there's only two, you said, or are there more? Only two in there. Okay. Um. I'm going to need to take care of this uncomfortably. I'm not going to... Ho- I'm hoping that Jackson will have maybe maybe heard this. I should have brought him along. But then again, he's also creepy, so I don't like him. Um, anyway, I'm going to run forward and try... Oh man, I wish I could use it as a, as a way to um, threaten them, but it's kind of like threatening someone with... Like you said, a fire hose that's already going. Um, Alright, I'm going to use this fire hose, and I'm going to try and wreck their lives apart. Yeah, it's clearly emanating like a semi-sphere. Um, a semi-sphere, that's not a word. A hemisphere um, from the, the sort of the fat end of it that's perforated. Um, and, like, yeah, you can feel, especially as it's moving, that, that sort of perimeter, it's semi-invisible. The, the wind sort of has, you know, like a silvered tinge to it as it's whipping really fast. Um, so you can, you can make out the boundaries of it and, uh, yeah, you can push it forward. Um, yeah, roll that fight. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm good with low society and add a dice. Cause like, you're not really, I almost, I almost, you know what? I, you roll to see if things are interesting to fail. You're not going to fail at doing this. So I actually want to see if you fuck up the box that they're next to. I think that's more interesting. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, I already said I'm doing it. So let's do it. Um, so I'm willing to take fight. Um, I mean, you could also use like fix if you wanted to, um, technology is fine and I'm, I'm willing to accept a uh, cult and low society. So that's fine too. Okay. All right. I will take low society. Um, I'm going to do a fix. I'm going to try and make as much as possible to not break the box that they're up against. Um, but yeah, yeah I'm fix, gonna... fix will avoid um, some difficulty. So 
and that's a 10 okay I'll accept all that. right nice um so yeah honestly just roll me a d10 of stress uh, towards them damage i should say Oof. yeah uh that's seven um yeah again normally like i said previously i, I when when somebody's in control of a fight scene prefer to give control as to whether or not you kill your target but in this one instance you're not really in control of this particular weapon um even nope. with a t- 10 so i i'm 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 saying you you're gonna kind of shred these guys to pieces yep uh yeah i think marceline like just holding on to this potato masher with both hands as it emits this gale of slicing wind um completely tears the the heads off these two unlucky sods yeah, limbs come off. I mean, again, it's just a flurry of like random blades slashing. Um, so yeah, they're, they're they're pushed into the edge of a of a blender, and uh, yeah, they're just completely pulverized on the inside of this caravan. Um, Ira pokes her head in and uh, immediately throws up outside. Um, yeah, Marcelin is about to throw up as as well. He's just like he's gagging, like holding on to this fire hose of death uh just gagging as he's just covered i guess in viscera <laughs> but with the tin i will say you 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 can gain full control over the the potato masher to, to shut it off and i won't make you roll again to do that all right yeah i will i will definitely shut it off with a couple twists a couple button clicks it ceases the gale oh god oh let me he's gonna he's gonna just like stand there for a couple seconds just close his eyes trying to stomach it um like oh that was so gross oh why uh this is oh this would be a terrible potato masher oh this would ruin all my potatoes jatson kind of pops his head in just says sick and then turns back around and reports over to, to reginald and uh astorius who are still in the front and you notice something while well, you're, you know, holding back your vomit in this room now filled with essentially two knolls that have been put through a wood chipper. Um, you did nick that box. Just barely. He didn't, he didn't bash it open. Um, it's not gonna, whatever's in there, it's not gonna come flying out. But just the corner of it has been nicked open to where if you were so inclined, you could peer in. Fuck. You know I'm going to do that. You know I'm not going to resist that. You know- <laughs> what? <laughs> Imagine I'm twisting my finger on my cheek. Cheekily. Oh, uh, uh, Marcelin, is this like, he's almost cursing Limier at this point. He's like, you knew I would look. You knew I would. And he, he turns around. Uh, yeah, uh, looks to see if, if Ira is still watching, but I'm guessing she's still... Just turned around, just retching or drive heaving. Uh, so he's gonna turn around. He's gonna look in the box. What's in the box? Um, yeah, you. I, I was hoping someone would make that joke, and it was you. I'm disappointed it was me. Uh, you, you peek in. Um, don't you have an ability to light things up? Um, I do, but part of it is I wonder if. I th- oh wait, I have an ability to light things up. It's called the lighter, which I'm going to use because um, Larsalyn almost like thinks of using the old moonlight ability that 
um, he was taught that was handed down from other Lajans, but uh, now he just clicks open the lighter to peer inside. And yeah, in in the flickering of uh, of lighter light, you know, just the barest of flame light, there's a child in there. Is is it a is it a null child? Is it a is it a drow child? Uh, it's a drow child. Hi. Uh, it's, I mean, from where you can see, you're probably just getting like the barest glint of eye and ear and skin tone. Um, and you can see it's tattooed in script, pretty much covering every inch of skin you can make out. Um, and it's clearly bound and gagged. Oh no. Oh no. Oh. oh. It's gonna be okay. Okay? Alright, kid? I, 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 don't, I don't know what's happening, but it's going to be okay. I, I I promise you. I, I promise. Don't. No one's going to hurt you. I promise. Oh. F- fuck. Oh. F- fuck. Okay. Um. Marcelin's gonna turn the uh, the box so that that one corner isn't like necessarily like sticking out towards the the, the back of the the cabin. Um. Yeah, he's gonna rush outside. Uh. Oh fuck. Um Asterius. Uh, uh, hmm. Yeah, what's up? Um is he are we still moving in this caravan by the way or Um no, you guys have stopped wholesale. Um you're okay. you're sort of parked in a uh, and again like a sort of a materials storehouse. There's nobody in here. It's the dead of night and those two guards are the ones assigned to help you unload. So you guys are pretty much all alone. All right. Um Asterius, um we uh, took care of those two guards, but uh, th- there's something here I need you to look at. Uh, should you uh, come here? God, okay. I really, really don't want to look inside there, man. I heard from Jatson what you did. Yeah, well, f- fair enough. But um, look, you just gotta. There's a uh, something you, yeah, you, you. It's it's no stuff. You need to look at. Huh. Uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you say, Mars. And he, he follows you back. There's... There's, there's, there's something... There's, there's a... There's a kid in there. You mean there's a kid in there? There's a kid, there's a kid in the box. There's, there's, there's a living child in the box. He pulls out the ring of keys and begins to unlock the box. No, wait, wait, wait. What, what are you doing? What? There's a fucking kid in there. We gotta get him out. The, what about Reginald? What 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 do you think he's going to do? I don't give a shit about Reginald. If there's a kid in there, we need to get him out. What if... What if we... Shit. We're about to blow this place sky high. Uh, what if... Look, alright, I'll, I'll back you up, but if... I, I don't know what Reginald's going to... Going to do about this. Deal with that when we come to it. Okay? For now, right. let's get this fucking kid out of this box. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, so yeah, he's gonna help him open the crate. Yeah. Um. You know, th- thick padlocks. They're padlocked to to a metal frame that's wrapped around this crate. Um. So it takes a second for him to wedge these off, and then with a with a heavy, hearty creak, um, presses it open. What? What is it? This kid. He's a walking incursion. Has um, has Marcelin heard of those? 
Oh yeah, especially especially serving on the front. You know that that's happened yeah. a handful of times over the course of the front. He's a fucking walk. Did did the gnolls do that? <laughs> that's not gnollish. It was the fucking elf here, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. This is elf you're doing. Warrior poet shit. Hijacking demonological technology and using it to essentially level miles and miles of anywhere. Bulls must have captured this kid before they could set him off. Fuck. There's, there's, there's gotta be uh, a way to help him though, right? Like you're, you, you've still got, look, you're, you're a more advanced Lajan than uh, I was ever. Like there's, there's some magic shit you can, we can do, uh, I don't know, some ritual we can get the demon out of him. I don't know, put it, put it somewhere else, right? There's, there's a thing we can do about this. Mars, I have no fucking idea. He's a kid. What do they? Fuck. I know he's a kid, but he's a bomb big enough to destroy everyone living in this tent and then some. Right, but he's not going to go off any time soon. I mean, what's what's the trigger? I don't fucking know, Mars. I've never dealt with this before. All I know is he's an incursion. So what, we're going to leave him? We're just going to blow this place up with him inside of it? What, what are we going to... We essentially have three options here. Kill the kid. Give him to fucking Reginald. Let him send him back to the front. Let him be put back somewhere where he was supposed to be and turn into a bomb. Rip a hole in reality. Let whatever demonic energy these demons swim with him come ripping out through this kid's very life force. Or one of us takes him back and figures out what the hell we can do for him. Mysterious, you know, that's not it. That's not even a question. There's only one option here. We are not letting this kid turn it into a fucking weapon. He stares down at the box. The kid's awake now and terrified, kind of eyes shifting back and forth. And you can see the script even continues into the sclera of his eye. It's you or me, Mars. It's... It's me. Look, I'll... Look, I'll take this kid out into the wastes. I don't know. Maybe we'll blow up somewhere out there in the middle of nowhere, but, like... You've got a family to go back to. I'm not... I'm not going to let this kid die. I don't know exactly what I can do to cover for you, but... Try. He looks around for a second, strokes his pretty much completely hairless chin. You've seen him shave with a straight razor a half dozen times. He's an incredibly fastidious man. You take the kid. You run. I shoot a couple shots after you. I'll make sure I miss. I'll act like you're deserting. Just make sure... Reginald doesn't pull out the gun and... I mean... I've seen him gun dozens of fucking nulls down, but... I don't think he would hesitate to shoot me. Yeah, I don't think he would either. That's why you gotta move fast. He said, I'll, I'll make sure I miss, but I can't guarantee they won't. Luckily, we're still in the middle of the mission, so I know they won't give chase. When you get out... Pulls out a piece of paper and starts scrawling some stuff on it. Here's some phrases you'll need. Nullish. You need to get onto a caravan of some kind. He scratches through his pockets and then reaches up and pulls off his moon collar. Take this. It's silver. You should be able to trade it. That's... Stairs, that's, that's your... That's the... That's your symbol of limit. You're... Okay. No, okay. All right. He presses it into your hands. I know what it is. So do you. Don't forget what those of us who actually care look like, Okay. 
Not all like the ones you grew up with. Good man, Marcelin. Never forget that. Yeah. No, I won't. Just get home to your family. That's all that matters. It's the only thing that matters. I don't. Hopefully I'll see you in the gardens, huh? Yeah. Yeah. See you in the gardens. Marcelin's gonna walk forward and he's gonna gingerly pick up the kid. Kid weighs way, way too little. Oh no. Alright. It's gonna be okay. I know you have a name. We don't have time, but I'll find out soon enough. You're not... I'm not letting them take you. Kid seems to relax. Um, it's very clear, at the very least. Kid speaks the uh, patois of the spire. All right, yeah. This is... He's going to shed, like, all the explosives that have been, like, strapped. He's going to, like... He's going to drop the rest of the sort of weight so that he can move as fast as possible. All right. All right, I'm ready. Um, Goodbye, Marcelin. Been a pleasure. You know it hasn't. <laughs> Not with me. Well, something close to it. Yeah. And keep the lighter. Thanks. <sighs> and uh, Astorius punches himself in the nose, like full fucking force, and breaks it. <clears throat> Go. Oh, fuck. Yeah. All right. Uh, he's going to... Marson's going to start sprinting. Yeah. And you, uh, you know, you make it quite a ways until somebody, probably Jatson, yells out. And then Astorius stumbles out, yells something half-hearted like, Dad, get back here! And then you hear a couple tack, tack, tack of gunshots follow out behind you. They, they ping around your feet. Um, and yeah, you manage to make it out of the tent. A few more bullets come whizzing behind you. But... The gnolls, the guards that you finished, uh, yeah. they were the only ones guarding the immediate entrance. And it uh, seems like they're whatever guards are left outside, they're not drawing a bead on you. Instead, they're focused on the people inside. And you see that the inside of the tent lights up on you march through the desert. Obviously, we don't quite have the time to j detail your journey, Marcelin, but do you want to give us just a, a few key points of what this long trek back from the new job in front to the spire looks like? Yeah, um, it's it's pretty much hell. Um, the uh, the the moonlight glamour wears off come the morning. So once the the sun is directly overhead, it's already it's it's he's uh, he's back to being in his his uniform and his face coverings, trying to protect his his skin against the sun. And it's it's just gruesome. Um, He's constantly walking with this, with this kid. Um, on, before he was walking with his on, on his back, but he he keeps uh, he uh, he starts to carry him um, forward just in his arms. He weighs so little, yet it, as he keeps going on, he starts feeling heavier and heavier. Um, he you, he rips stri strips from. Um, from his clothing, leaving parts of his arms and legs exposed to try and uh, cover up some of the, the child's skin from the sun. Um, and by nights, he he tries to... Um, he, uh, they try to rest, but it's hard going. He runs out of water fairly quickly. Um, he has to... He trades in the, um, 
Asterius's uh, moon silver collar um, for a uh, for some money in a in a town near to a closish to the front um, for for a, a, just some water and some food um, and they keep going. Um, there's a point where Marcelin stops feeling much of anything anymore, even the pain from the sun. Um, it's like the agony becomes so great at a certain point that he stops feeling almost anything at all. Yeah, it's, it is at a point like it is almost timeless, ageless, and it almost feels like it's, it's time condensed into just morning and night, morning and night. And when the night comes, um, he stares up and tries to find the moon again, um, looking out every single night, trying, hoping there's going to be some sign from it that uh, what he's doing is the right thing. I don't know if you get a physical sign, but I feel like you get something like a sign in terms of the relationship you begin to build with this boy. Um, learn his name is Etienne, that he was stolen from the spire once. He was homeless. He was an orphan. His parents had disappeared uh, into the, the mass ranks of those pushed into power into you know essentially slavery um underneath you know the durance system and mm-hmm. uh yeah he was captured by elfir warrior poets primed to become a uh essentially an intrusion bomb you know the the living conduit of this this destructive spell meant to tap into demon demonological terrors um by way of elfir magics and he was actually saved by the gnolls. Um, they were terrified of him. They, they kept him in bondage and they kept him trapped away. But nonetheless, they were attempting to figure out what to do with him. He picked up snippets of the gnollish language. And during your journey, he's able to assist with small bits of translation. And uh, slowly you begin to develop something like a fatherly role over this kid. I, we've talked that you had a relationship once upon a time before in the Spire. Um, didn't bear any children. Um but if you ever wanted any, this is to some degree fulfilling that. Yeah. I don't think Marcelin ever thought he was going to be a father. Um, his one relationship, that that didn't end up well. Vellum or him, he, it's almost like a blur of who hurt who. But in the end, both of them ended up being more damaged than when they were ever together. So the idea of fatherhood never even occurred to him. And yet here he is with this child. And he there's a moment one night when, when he's just watching Etienne sleep that he, he knows that like he would he would do anything for this kid. He would die for this kid a dozen times over, if need be, just to save this kid's life. And you probably get pretty close over the course of this journey. Um, I imagine it probably takes something like six months. Um, to make it all the way from the Njabian front back to the Spire, but make it back, you do. You realize, though, you're a deserter now. Um, if you're ever caught by the Aelfir, you're killed on sight. You're to be put in the hive immediately for execution. So, I'm going to presume um, that if you obviously didn't flee immediately, presume you made a home in Derelictus. Yeah. I don't think Marcelin knew where else he could go. So, um, yeah, he he tries to take Etienne down into Derelictus. 
What, what, what kind of work do you think Marcelin got up to? Because we got a few years in between this and uh, whenever we, we met him. Um, I think Marcelin, between that time, I think he, he tr- took up some, maybe some bounty hunter work early on, thinking like, hey, I'm a soldier, I could get this done. But for the most part, it doesn't pay bills. Um, no one wants the, uh, the elf here are already too good at capturing and um, people. It's like, why do they need to outsource? He, uh, he basically settles down into courier work. He moves stuff from place to place. Um, he's always had a strong back, so he's just you just see him walking up and down stairs and ladders between Derelictus and Red Row, maybe doing some illicit smuggling here and then. Those are the ones that pay the best, but most of the work he gets is just drudge work. Yeah, it's 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 hard scraping by. He finds maybe some um, hobble that he can um, squat in, essentially. Um, in derelictus uh maybe make some friends along the way but you can't get too close to people because if anyone finds out that they've literally got a human explosive device not human sorry a, a drow dif- explosive device in the, in the in the in the house next door there's gonna be a problem um so he, he mostly keeps to himself when he's not with etienne yeah, Etienne has to live a fairly cloistered life because exactly like you said, he's a, he's a walking intrusion. Um, and he talks to you that he literally has essentially a poem in his head, uh, a long, complicated, gibbering poem. It's it's a bit like um, it's that Joyce novel, like Ulysses. Like there's yeah. there's there's like some bizarre, like non-linearity, like postmodernism to it, where it's it's kind of it descends into gibberish. Um, and he can feel himself, like if he was to recite this, if he was to discover the ending of this poem, his mind won't let him fully unlock. Uh, he can feel that the intrusion would come ripping out of him. Um, and I feel probably a large amount of your life outside of this courier work and, and you know, figuring out uh, how to make ends meet is trying to discover what the hell you can do for Etienne. Yeah. I, I think Marcelin, he tries to... Uh make some relationship in occult circles. Um, he, he, he talks, he, he's very cautious about it. Um, given the man that he is, he's, he's, he's not exactly the, the most technologically or, or occult wise or scientifically or philosophically minded even. Um, but he, he tries to whatever money that he can, just like trying to just get people to talk to him, um, about the elf here. And and how the warrior poets make these in- walking incursions. Little fragments of information come to you throughout the years, um, and something else, of course, comes over the course of the years. Um, at the end, ages, um, probably about sixteen years pass almost. So from the small boy he was, probably no more than six, he turned into a young man, and over the course of those years, Lemia's killed. I don't know where you are during this event, um, but you hear tell of the cataclysm, essentially, that changes everything for Damnic worshippers. Yeah. I, I, um, I think the moment he finds out is when he's just, like, walking up a steep set of stairs trying to, like, take some, I don't know, some onions or something, or maybe potatoes, uh, <laughs> up from uh, Derelictus to Red Row, and just trickles of blood start, like, 
falling down the stairs just a little bit at first until it becomes almost like a river of blood yeah the first time you've ever seen icker yeah. and you can feel where it hits your feet where it seeps in through the holes in your boots it it stings you know something's not right with this stuff immediately marcelin there's like there's a part of him that like that he doesn't know what blood this is he doesn't know what's happened but there's a part of him that he has to like stop by the side of the road and just weep uncontrollably he cannot stop like just he he stares at this torrent and cries himself into almost unconsciousness and when he does word reaches him kind of through the streets through i mean essentially it's the only thing people are talking about publicly um everybody's moving out from the the path of the the ickered torrent that now winds its way down the spire that lemia's dead move again forward in time as you cope with this reality as you cope with Etienne slowly seeming like there may never be a cure for whatever's been bound in his brain to a particular package one that you are set to collect from deeper in the heart than you've ever gone before um, I presume every once in a while you dabble in delving though I'd imagine it isn't your primary occupation since for very few does it remain a primary occupation for very long yeah it's it's almost too hazardous like he he's he's taken some things up from the heart he's done like like i said some maybe um uh just some illicit smuggling but of hard artifacts but like it's if it, it, he's already living with one um walking talking explosive uh incursion like he doesn't necessarily need more of that in his life yeah and when you come to find where this package was meant to be delivered, um, you find the handoff point very easily, but you don't find a, a living person waiting for you. Uh, you find a corpse. Clutched in its hands is a badge. <sighs> oh. So what, some everyday law enforcement? It's a joke. He's going to pick it up, hoist it in his hand. Huh. Vicky your unlucky day vicky well hope you find peace in the gardens and luckily the package that you came to find is still in this person's pack seems like they were robbed of some there's no money on them doesn't seem like they have a weapon but uh whatever you were set to deliver probably a batch of letters or something untouched <sighs> well lucky me um uh, all right uh he's gonna he, he's almost like loath to do it, but he's going to pick up the body as well. Um, not sure what people in derelictus usually do with all the corpses, which I'm sure there are um, a number, but he'll bring it to, uh, if there is like a local Lajan, if any still remain really, uh, he'll bring it to them. But, uh, He'll drop that off and probably just take the package on. Yeah, the Lajon have become a desperate, depressive bunch, but they haven't given up their worship. They just know that their goddess is um, slightly more slightly more present um, simultaneously and also very much less so. Um, they're, they're not convinced she's wholly dead. The, they think that the Icar still contains whispers of her life, and many of them have gone completely mad. There's now a schism within the sect. Um, there's there's a, a drowned sect that 
submerge themselves in the ichor to uh, attempt to find whispers of Lemya within it. Uh, most of them go insane and warp and become monsters that then have to be killed, essentially, and pushed deeper into the heart. But some find some bizarre preternatural understanding. Um, and cults of this kind have sprung up across the spire and underneath. But yeah, the, the corpse is taken. And as the badge sits in your pocket, you begin to remember stories of, of a very strange sect of men and women. 300 of them, known as the 33rd, finger your way along the badge, its etchings. Uh, somewhat crude, clearly hand-stamped, but it contains the markings of the 33rd, those known as the Hounds within the heart. Oh, wow. Um, Marcelin is, it thinks it must be just something he heard once and it's just jogging his memory. That's That's got to be it. He, um, it's just stories that he's heard, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a nice little piece of gold and Hey, maybe you can hang it from his ear, like an earring. That's, that's always, that was his style back when he was a lodge on. So yeah, he does that. Um, and yeah, it, it, it can dangle, but you never want it to be too far from you. And all of a sudden you begin to find a new vigor in yourself, especially now that you're getting older. Uh, you know, beforehand you felt the waning you know, nature of age begin to settle over you, but with this badge, a different kind of drive begins to fill you, one shockingly protective. You feel more innately heroic, and you feel called. Called Elimia, somewhere underneath. Feel like that if there's any, any way that Etienne could be cured. You feel like it could lie laced with whatever fate has befallen Lemia herself and whatever fate lies ahead of her. Yeah. Marceline, um... Fuck, I love that. Um, sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, that's so fucking good. All right. Um, Marceline knows that this is... This has got to be the only way. I mean, if if, if Limi is gonna speak at any time, it's it's got to be now. So this is, yeah, he feels like there's there's a chance. Yeah, he starts to feel a little bit like his old self, maybe his old old self, the one that, the one that had relationships, the one that wasn't bent over, struggling through the. The toil of, of war, of the toil of, of of eking out this pathetic life in 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 the dregs of a dying city with the god with his god's blood running through the streets. Now this is there's hope here. There's hope um, in the most unlikely of places. Um, he knows, yeah, that this is this is the only chance he has of 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 saving his son um, the only question is how is he can't can he bring Etienne down there with him should he how else is he going to survive jeez um, I think he has to make that decision like is he going to he knows he has to go down into the heart to, to find a way to help him but is it is it right to take him? So I think he's he's gonna bring he's gonna 
he's gonna talk to Etienne. He's going. He's almost a young man now, even though he doesn't have much of an external life. He he has a right to make that decision himself. And as this decision kind of overcomes you, Etienne calls to you from the front of the house, um, sort of the the hobble you guys have found yourself living in. Um, I feel like at a sort of a basement level where you tend to do a lot of like your courier desk work. Um, and yeah, Etienne calls down to you. Marcy! Dad! There's somebody at the door for you! What? Uh... Yeah, just just hold them. Uh... Shit, I thought I told him never to answer the door. He's gonna... He's gonna rush forward. He's gonna sprint his way there. And luckily Etienne is, is masked up. Um, he's got like a black drape over his head, and, and yeah, there's like a very cheap Elfier mask that kind of uses temporaries that he's, he's pulled over his face, and he corks a thumb towards the door. Uh, and you see a slight man. Yeah, he's in finery. Elfier finery, almost, but he's not an Elfier, he's a human, actually. Uh, he, he's got short, cropped hair. He does a little bow. He says, Ah, uh, pardon me for the intrusion. Is this, uh, the residence of one, um, Marcelin Hello Seer? Um. You know, there's no, uh, name on the, on the mailbox or anything, but, uh, which calls into question how you know where I live, but, yeah, I'm him. What? I'm a, I'm a crafty sort. <laughs> Sorry to spook you a little bit. Uh, yeah, uh, no problem. Um, Etienne, uh, go, go inside. Um, wait, wait for me there. Yeah, of course, Dad. And he steps back into the darkness of the hovel. Uh, again, pardon for the intrusion. My name is Wesley. I work under the employment of a man named Doman Blight. I was given word, you're a particularly talented courier. Am I correct? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I make it from, uh, from, uh, down below to on up high. Uh, that's, uh, that's my motto. Anywhere, anytime, I'll, I'll, I'll bring you, I'll bring you the goods. That's me. And he, and he spies the badge that you are now wearing as an earring. Ah, well, I'd hope you'd be particularly talented at that, considering your, um, well, ostensible resume there. What? You mean... I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I mean, look, hey. Uh, this used to be some hound's old badge, I think, but... That is very much a hound's old badge. Uh, that's actually your badge now, if you're able to keep it. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah, it is my badge. It's, it's, it's on me. Uh, keep it nice and safe. So, yeah, what, what, what are you here for, uh, sir? Well, I am here under the employ of Doman Blight. As I said, I'm looking for a uh, party of sorts. I'm trying to get some folks together to do a job for my employer. And it seems to me. You would be perfect for the job. Duh. Where is this job? 
gather you all together here in Derelictus, but the job itself, it's in the heart. Huh. Uh, tell you what, uh, tell you what, son, uh, what was, what'd you say your name was? Wesley, at your service. Yeah, at my service. Uh, tell your employer I'm interested. Yeah, I think this could work. Thanks a bunch for listening to this, the third interlude of Unhallowed Shores. I really appreciate your time listening to this particular episode. I'm a, a personal big fan of Chris's performance in this episode and of the story we managed to eke out of the particularly depressing circumstances of Marceline's past. I have to personally apologize for my audio quality in this episode. I I'm not 100% what happened, but obviously it's not quite up to snuff. Hopefully, that wasn't too much of a detriment to you enjoying the tale we wove here. As always, again, thank you for listening. Safe travels, my friends. <laughs>